You're listening to the Father's House Podcast. We're in Owensboro, Kentucky. Hope you guys enjoy. If you guys want more information, you can go to thefathershouseky.com. Jesus. Hey guys, before we get started with the message today, uh, our kids got back from camp on Friday and they had their, <clears throat> I know my son had his, uh, his after camp nap. Um, it happens to everyone, you know, they just come back and pass out for hours. I think Pastor Daryl did as well. It's a good old after camp nap. Um, just, I'm, I'm going to have Pastor Daryl come up, and he's going to call up a few uh, teenagers just to come testify a little bit about what the Lord's done. You guys can just come on the platform, Pastor Daryl, and you guys come all the way up here. What he said was true. Lots of napping. Come on up here, guys. Uh, we had a lot of uh, amazing things happen at camp, but I'm going to let, uh, I've got three here. I'm going to let them tell you their name. Uh, you guys want to be front and center right here? Come on. So I'm going to let them tell you their name and what God did. I'm going to hand it over. Here you go. Hey, guys. Um, my name is Carter. And camp this year was amazing. I just want to start out by giving thanks to the Lord. Man, just seeing, like, a lot of my closest friends, like, really just see God and hear God and be baptized in the Holy Spirit for the first time and, like, actually grow in the Lord just blessed me so much this year. Like, there's nothing better than seeing like people that you love really encounter the Lord. And so for me personally, um, two big things really. There's just, uh, God's just had a calling on my life for a really long time and I've always ran from it because it's something that I've never necessarily wanted to do. It's always been something I've been scared of. But like this week I really felt like I'm just, I'm done running from the Lord, you know? Because like this world and your personal plan will never be better than what God has for you. And God's plan for your life is always going to be the best thing that you can pursue. And also, um, there's just a lot of things in my life that I've lost hope for just because I haven't seen God move in it yet. And like a lot of really hard situations that I just have like, just like in my life that I've never really seen move. But like, just like as soon as I've came back after camp, these things that I've prayed for, they're starting to happen. And it's just, it's, it's so good. It's just so, so good. Like this morning even, like driving here with my grandma, I just saw like breakthrough in her. And it's just something I've been praying through, praying for for so long. Sorry, I'm getting emotional, but God's just really been moving on all of us. And I just, I thank him, Lord. I thank you so much, Jesus. You're so amazing. You've been so good to me. So yeah, that's it. Thank you guys. Hi, my name is Sadie, and camp was just so, so amazing this time. This year might have been the best. Every day, I just felt God moving through um, everywhere I went. Every time I prayed, it just felt great. And like, just like Carter said, two big things happened to me. First, I just felt called, and I answered my calling. I've always wanted to be a psychiatrist or a nurse, and I just went up and prayed. And I just saw this image of me in scrubs and just praying for these sick people in rows and rows. And I was just praying in tongues, and I've never done that before. And it was just amazing seeing that happen. And the second thing that happened, I was baptized by the Holy Spirit. And that's just something I've prayed for so, so long for that. I've been going to camp since about third grade, and every year I've just wanted to be filled by God from the Holy Spirit, and I just went up there, and I didn't feel it at first. Daryl came up to me, and I was just like, no, no, I didn't get anything, but then I prayed for this guy. I didn't know him, and I just prayed for healing over him, and words just flowed out of me, and I just started speaking in tongues, and it just felt amazing. I just felt so filled, and even today, I just feel filled, and it just feels better than ever.
Hi guys, my name is Nayeli, and this was my first year at camp, and there was something so powerful about being in a room with 200 other teenagers all fully worshiping God at the same time and surrendering their life to him completely. I mean, there were, like they said, people being filled with the Holy Spirit for the first time and people dedicating their life to Christ. And for me, I know I kind of let the Spirit like fall to the wayside for a while and kind of forgot about him and stopped praying in tongues and stopped um, really just letting him use me. And then at camp, um, through the worship services, I just kind of let myself go and let the human part like fall off. And it was amazing just to pray for people and to not me speak, but to feel him speak basically. And just to hear the words and to let him work through me and to become a vessel. And I also um, decided to go into full ministry and accept my calling that I've been running from from a really, really long time. So yeah. So yeah, camp was awesome. Thank you guys that helped support it, uh, whether it be through prayer or even financially. Uh, we're going to pray in just a minute and pray that God would continue to do. Uh, there were more to be here today, but they couldn't for various reasons. We're going to pray that what God did at camp will be right here in Owensboro, right here at this church, right here in our city. Amen? So let's, uh, let's, we're going to stretch our hands out towards these guys, and let's just, let's just do this generation. Father, we just thank you for everything that you've done at camp, Lord. We just thank you for these milestone and miracle moments. Father, we pray, Lord, that the baptisms of the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you for the salvations and, and those that trusted in Jesus for the first time. Lord, we thank you for those that have finally accepted and embraced their calling, would no longer run from it, Father, but run to you. And Father, I pray, Lord, for supernatural boldness, Lord, in these teenagers, Lord, in Cayo. Lord, I pray, Lord, for those others that were at camp, Lord, that you're continuing to do a mighty work in this generation and in the city of Owensboro, God. Lord, we pray, Lord, that they would grab your heart and hold on to it, take it and run with it to their peers and to their friends in the days, weeks, and months to come. We thank you, Lord. Pour out your spirit on this generation. Pour out your spirit on these young people. And Lord, protect them. We pray, Lord, that the devil would flee from them. And Lord, we pray for supernatural protection over them. And Lord, their faith is strong and rooted deeply in you, Lord. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Woo-woo, big hand clap. on somebody. That's so good. Amen. Come on. Can we celebrate a little more what the Lord's doing? Can you turn me up just a little bit, please? Um, man, so, so good. So, so good. Awesome. I felt the Lord um, as I was praying this morning for any of the teenagers that are here that went to camp. I felt the Lord say, that he's just going to, cont- I don't know how he says, but I feel like the Lord is saying he's going to continue um, speaking to you this morning. <laughs> and for some of you, maybe even who are still a little bit on the fence about camp and what happened, the Lord's, I really believe the message I have, just what God's going to release. God's going to speak to you personally, and you're just going to be like, man, God, God is real. God is very real. Uh, it's not just something my parents want me to do, but this is legit. So, anyways, praise God. Um, it's good to have you guys here at the Fowler's House. If you're new, I don't know if we told you, but we do have a connection card in the seat back in front of you. If you turn that in, take it to our welcome desk out in the foyer. Um, we'd love to get connected with you. We have a little gift for you. Also, we have resources and books and a lot of awesome things to equip you to walk out um, your, your journey with Jesus at our Welcome Center, our little bookstore. If you haven't read the books we have there, you're like, man, I'm hungry for more of the Lord. I'm hungry for God. Grab you a purple book. Grab some books and start to eat. Amen. Um, one of my favorite quotes is, you know, we get, if we want to get physically hungry, we stop eating. But if we want to get spiritually hungry, we have to start eating. Because some of you are like, well, I don't feel like reading my Bible. I don't feel like reading a book. You just start doing it. You just get into it and you start to dig. Amen? Amen, amen. How many of you never, sometimes you don't feel like worship, but then you step into it and you're like, oh, man, I'm glad I came. <laughs> Man, I'm glad I'm in this moment. You got to step into it. You got to start eating. Don't wait for don't don't it, it, don't wait till you feel like reading a book. You're not going to. <laughs> if you're anything like me, some actually I take that back. Some of you love to do that. I'm not one of those people. I read books because I want to get closer to the Lord. That, honestly, that's it. I don't have any other desire to read anything, to be honest with you, whatsoever. I used to uh, pay kids in middle school to take my AR reading test. You didn't know that, did you, Mom? Now you know. That's probably the least 
of the bad things I've ever done, honestly. Uh, but he used to take, uh, I had him take the Harry Potter witchcraft books. Uh-oh, we won't, we'll move on. But I had him, I had him take those books because they were the most points. Come on, somebody. You know, they're like 25 points a book. I'm like, man, I just needed one test. Here we go. Um, this has nothing to do with what we're talking about today at all, so we'll, I'll try to get my focus back. Um, but anyways, we're excited that you're here today. We're excited that uh, I was listening to Jonathan David and Melissa Helser's podcast the other day, and she said something. I, I loved it so much. She opened up her speaking moment, and she said, I didn't come here to wow you today or to give you something profound. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like there's, there's such an unhealthy pressure on speaking, on preaching to, like, give something. Man, I got to wow the people. And it's like, man, no, I don't. Just have to give what the Lord has given me and just serve it. <laughs> and then just, just, just give it exactly how he's given it to me. So that's my goal and my prayer for anyone who ever steps in this pulpit. That they just simply give what the Lord is asking to give and to serve. Amen? So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the youth of the nation. I thank you for this next generation. This next generation isn't just lost and crazy, God, but this next generation will burn for you. Lord, I thank you that we'll see that many of them rise up and many more of them rise up to declare your name for boldness to come and say, listen, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Lord, I thank you for an unashamed youth ministry. Unashamed. I thank you for unashamed adults and parents for the gospel. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would come and you would speak through me this morning, that you would have your way in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen, amen. Would you lift out your hands like this? Say, Lord, I receive anything that's from you and anything else that's not from you. I don't receive it. Amen. Come on, isn't that good? How many of you know something we say all the time is if it's from Jesus, we want it? Amen. And if it's not from him, how many of you know things, not everything's from him? Not every open door is from him. Not every girlfriend's from him. Not every boyfriend's from him. (laughs) Especially after camp, right? (laughs) I'll move on. I'll move on this morning. But if it's from the Lord, we want it. Amen. So, um, last week I talked about, come on somebody, I make this bigger, can't see I could hear my mom's voice in my mind and my wife's, where's your glasses? <laughs> I know she was, both of them were just itching to say that. Um, so anyways, last week I talked about uh, what the Lord is speaking to me about, not wishing our life away. How many of you were here? 15 of you. Praise God, we got a whole new church this morning. Um, and, and it was like, man, uh, don't wish your life away. And what the Lord was saying was like, Mike, you're, you're always... You know, you're, you're looking into something to get better or a next house or the next season when your kids are older and you can do more things or whatever. And the Lord was like, hey, don't wish your life away. Be present in the moment and learn how to find the gold and be thankful and be grateful for what God is doing in your life right now. You know, I'm in this season where both my little girls can still fit on my lap and snuggle me together. You know, like this, I want to I wanna cherish these moments. I don't want to wish them away. Amen? I don't want to wish away parts of my marriage or parts of our, how we travel. I don't want to wish away the job that I have. If God placed me at a job, listen, sometimes the jobs and stuff that you have are, is the job God wants for you even though you don't like it. Amen. You know what I mean? And we're always thinking, well, God, God just wants me to be comfortable and he just wants me to prosper and all this. No, no, God wants you to grow. God's, God, God's interested in our growth a lot less than he is interested in our comf- being comfortable. A lot less. And I think we, we got to have a good balance here. So anyways, and I was also talking about last week how um, that God's wanting us to pass the test. Somebody say pass the test. God's wanting us to pass the test of the, the, the seasons in our life. He's wanting us to learn something in certain seasons that you can't learn in other seasons. Does that make sense? He's learning how we want to learn how to be faithful, learn how to be faithful to their finances, learn, learn to trust him, all these different things that he wants us to get. Otherwise, if we continue to 
to fail, if you will, in the test, we will continue to be met with the same test, right? And we're going to continue to, no matter how old you'll get or whatever else, if, if God is speaking to you and saying, hey, get marriage coaching, and you're like, no, no, thanks, he's still going to say that 20 years later. It's not going to change, right? It's not, you're just going to be met with it again. So anyways, as I was listening to Melissa Helser, she said something. She actually just preached a very similar sermon around the same time. And, and she said something that really hit me, and that's what I want to talk about today. Um, she said, you know, basically not just that the Lord is trying to get us to get something out of each season, but the Lord is actually trying to reveal part of his character and his nature to you in certain seasons. Does that make sense? And if it, thanks, Maddie. Stay with me. God is not just trying to um, get you to learn to trust him. He's actually trying to impart to you that he's trustworthy. Does that make sense? And, and in, only in certain seasons can you get to know him and know things about him in that way. Does this make sense? This is why I believe part of the reason why God wanted to call this place the Father's house. How many of you know God has many names? God has many titles. And one of his titles is father. And why is that? It's because a lot of us, you've, you've maybe got an understanding of God as judge and king, but you don't have an understanding of him as father, as Abba, as dad. And God's trying, he's trying to, I believe a lot of us, especially in our older generation, our younger generation too, and our identity as sons and daughters, he's wanting us to get to this place where we, where maybe we're not good at something or somebody's better at something than us and not just learn the lesson, but to understand who he is as a father and who we are as sons and daughters. And I started thinking about this and the Lord just started to bring to my attention uh, the names of God. And, he, and it just immediately just kind of downloaded all this scripture and stories in the Bible. So let me say this. God is trying to reveal himself to you in different seasons of life. He's trying to reveal parts of his character, parts of his attributes. And does that make sense? Right? He's a father. He's a king. He's Lord. All these different things. So I remember going to Exodus. Uh, the Lord took me to Exodus chapter 3, verse 11 through 17. This is a story where Moses is, in a sense, he's running. He's a fugitive. And God comes to him. So I started thinking, like, well, God, you know, what is your name? And, and you see the first time really where they're saying who God is, if you will, um, Moses goes to ask him. And he goes on to say, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Keep going. He said, but I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, and you shall serve the God on this mountain. Keep going. Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers, because when, when he asked him at first, he said, who are you? All he answered him was, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He didn't really give himself a name. And he said, well, and they asked me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And a lot of you know this scripture, right? You've heard of this before. This is where we get the famous saying where it says, God says to Moses, Yahweh, I am who I am which is a really odd way. Imagine if you just met me after church today and you're like, hey man, what's your name? And I was like, I am. You'd be like, yeah, you are a weirdo, right? <laughs> who, who has ever answered you that way? And he's saying, I am who I am. And say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent you. And in a sense, keep this part off, we're good. And so in a sense, Moses is essentially asking God, um, to demonstrate or describe himself. You know, what, okay, if he's saying, hey, I am, it begs the question, you are what? What, what do you, that's not a good answer. What are you? And in a sense, uh, as I was kind of, if I could stretch this just a little bit, I feel like the Lord is saying, uh, you'll see. And then you'll tell me. I'm like, man, this is awesome. I am. You are what? You'll see. <laughs> How are you going to see? Because I'm going to take you through some things. I'm going to show you my character. I'm going to show you my attributes through some seasons and the way I treat you, the way I take care of you, the way I provide for you. I'm going to show you who I am. And you're going to learn who I am by your experiences. 
and I'm gonna solidify who I am to you through certain seasons in your life. I thought, man, this is so good. And so Moses is essentially saying, who are you? Reveal, so I can go to the people and say, this is the God, he's mighty, whatever. But then, so in the Old Testament, names are not just handles or um, they're actually more of descriptors. So you see that with Esau in Genesis 25 through 26, this is kind of weird, but they would give people names. Look at this. The first came out, red, all his body like a hairy cloak, so they called his name Esau. You ready for what it means? Hairy. What a great name. <laughs> you notice nobody's ever named their kid Esau or Judas. <clears throat> Just like you don't want to name your daughter Jezebel. Come on, somebody. <laughs> right? But listen, they were, they were given names based on, it was, a, it was something that described them. Right? That's where uh, Jacob came from. Jacob, why? Because he was, when he was grabbed on, when he, he was twins with Esau, and he was holding on to his heel, so they named him Heel. Well, how creative, right? Oh, Harry and Heel. Now, all of you are grateful for your name right now, right? I remember when we were naming, we were going to name Redding, and, and we were, I was like, what about Michael? Come on, you know what I mean? Like, of course, every, every dad ever. And they were like, no, I don't think so. Oh, no, I don't really like that. I'm like, that's my name. <laughs> Hold on now. I'm like, no, I don't really like Michael. That's my name. And not to mention, this is a very godly, amazing name. It means a gift from God. It's one of the, Bible, or the angels in the Bible. Come on, somebody. Then you have Naomi. Naomi in Ruth 1.20, she says God changed her name to Mara. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt bitterness. She's like, basically, hey, my new name is bitterness. It's like, what a terrible name. Come on. And I really feel ultimately the Lord is wanting to rename some things this morning as well. He's wanting to, somebody said, you're nasty, you're nothing, you're whatever. And God says, no, 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 just like you told Peter, right? Simon meant, uh, basically it was the opposite of a rock, a reed. Come on, somebody. And then he says, no, you're not a reed. You're not tossed to and fro. You're a rock. And he's saying, no, I'm going to name you. And so you got, you got Naomi. These are descriptors. Are you following me? And he's saying, hey, my name is Bitterness. Look at Nabal in 1 Samuel 25 through 25. Let not my Lord regard this worthless fellow. Man, harsh words. Nabal, for as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name and folly is with him. You know what Nabal means? If you look it up, Google the Hebrew word, it means fool. Pray. Listen, don't name your kids Nabal. If you're on Google and you're like, I want a name that starts with an N. It has to be biblical. You need to look up the meaning of those names. Well, I love the name Esau. <laughs> Such a cool name. No, no, no. Look up the meaning of those names. And, and I, would, I would dare to say, too, let, let's give some more thought to naming our children. What does this mean? <laughs> Come on. It, it's something you're prophesying over them. How many of you know names have meanings? You can look them up. They came from somewhere. So, his, in a sense, in the Old Testament, their names would show descriptors as things about their character. Does this make sense? So, God can be the same way, and he can be the same thing. That he, um, he doesn't necessarily tell us, like, I am these things. He's like, hey, I'm going to show you who I am through certain seasons in your life, and you're going to tell me. And I'm like, okay, this is pretty awesome. So, we learn his names through who he is. And in certain seasons, he's wanting to reveal parts of his nature to us. Okay? So they learn things, and God is asking us to learn things in certain seasons and start to name certain seasons. Are you ready? So you need to know this. I'm going to go over. The Lord started talking to me about all kinds of his names in the Bible, so I'm going to start going through a ton, okay? So one of the names for God, the most used names in the Old Testament, actually was Adonai. Everybody say Adonai. Adonai meant Lord. Somebody say Lord. It meant Master. Say Master. This is one of the biggest names, I would say the first name that you need to understand about God, the first attribute that you need to get about God, the first thing you need to understand about his nature. If you want success in the kingdom and you're wondering why your seasons of life keep going back and forth and you keep going down and keep taking sin steps back, it's because you, get, you need to get to know God as Adonai. You need to get to know him as Lord. And not just as the Lord, my righteousness, not just as the one who takes my sin away, but you need to get to know him as the Lord of lords. 
that God, you are in control. You are supreme. And when we first get saved, we have this opportunity where God starts to say, hey, maybe you need to get married. Hey, that you're living together, you need to get married. Hey, you, you need to stop, you need to turn off Little Wayne and Trippy Red, whatever it may be. You need to turn off these things. Hey, you need to stop watching this stuff on Netflix. This stuff is nasty. And what's, what's happening in this season, the test you're trying to actually pass is knowing that God is Lord. And you have to learn, like, man, he, he's Adonai. He's, he's trying to, and this stays forever. Don't hear what I'm not saying. He always needs to be Lord. But if you can get Lord down, you'll get everything else down. If you can get master down, everything else comes together. All of it. One of my favorite verses in the whole Bible is in the wedding feast of Cana when Jesus is turning the water into wine and Mary says something so profound and so simple. You remember what she said? Do whatever he tells you. My, my favorite verses. It can come down to the simplicity of this in every season. Are you ready? Do whatever he says. Do whatever he says. You're the Lord of my life. You're not just Savior. You're not. Listen, Jesus wasn't just, Jesus is not just interested in our sin, church. He's just interested in, in taking you for his own possession and using you for his glory. He's not just wanting to take your sin away. He wants you to start building his kingdom. So Abraham showed us a good example of him being Lord when he says, hey, go sacrifice your son Isaac on the mountain. He's like, yes, Lord. Could you imagine that? You know what I mean? Actually, the Bible says he got up early and just went. This is how we should respond in every season. That When God's asking of us to do something, we respond quickly with quick obedience. Quick obedience. So those of us who have kids, how many of you know delayed obedience is disobedience? Hey, go put that up on the counter. That's what my girls do. Like I say, this is the counter. Put that water bottle back on the counter. That's dad's. Now, honey, you don't want a spanking. Do you need to listen to daddy? Be obedient. <laughs> Smack. <laughs> we, we, instead, hey, put that on the counter. Yes, Lord. <laughs> Right? That's how I have my kids call me Lord. They don't even call me Dad. <laughs> we want to keep it very biblical. So does Maddie. <laughs> That's what the Bible says. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, praise God. Yeah, she definitely doesn't. Calls me a whole lot of things. Just kidding. <laughs> So y'all can calm down. It's okay, right? What am I trying to say? God's trying to show himself to you in all seasons, but ultimately, especially when you first start, that he's in charge and not you. He's Adonai. He's the Lord. He's the master. Amen? Another one of his names is Jehovah Ra'ah. Say Ra'ah. I looked it up. It's what said. And you know what it means? It means the Lord is my shepherd. This is where you see in Psalms 23, right? The Lord is my shepherd. David's talking. And he's, he's actually in a point in his life where, like, they, they believe that Absalom is trying to kill him, and he's kind of running for his life. He's needing direction, where to go, what to do. And, and how many of you know that, that God is the one who wants to give us direction for the next steps and the, the point of our life? Like, when you're worried about, like, man, I, I need a new job. Where should I go? Where should I go to church? Where should I work? Who should I date? Whatever. He's trying to get you to learn him as Jehovah Ra'ah, the shepherd of your life the one who guides you, the one who protects you, the one who says, hey, this is the direction I want you to go. In a season where you don't know where to go, he's trying to get you to understand that part of his nature, that he's your shepherd, that he's gonna lead you beside still waters. Does that make sense? How many of you know the Lord is our shepherd and he's my shepherd and I have the, in, in moments of like, man, I don't know what decision to make. I don't know where to go. I have to go to him and say, all right, Lord, will you guide me? Would you lead me in Jesus' name? And he does. One of our favorites um, is Jehovah Rapha. Anybody know what that means? Anybody? The Lord that heals, right? 
And how many of you want God to reveal himself to you in this way? I do. How many of you need healing in your body? Man, can we just pray right now? If you need healing in your body, would you just stand? And I just pray that the Jehovah Rapha would literally reveal himself to you in that way right now. In Jesus' name. Hey, why not, right? Listen, come on. Every person in this room, Father, I pray that you would reveal yourself as Jehovah Rapha in this room, that we would be able to say, this is Jehovah Rapha. This is who you are. You say, I am the healer. So, Father, would you heal bodies physically right now in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, God, that you would touch them from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. We say sickness go, pain go, arthritis go, cancer go, heart disease go, everything go in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, seizures go in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' name, reveal yourself as the healer in this house in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. Come on. When you're waiting on healing, he's trying to get you to partner with that part of his nature. Say, God, you're the healer. You're Jehovah Rapha. I know you can heal. The reality is we don't always see people get healed though, right? But what happens in those seasons is God's trying to get us to still hold on to that part of his nature and not give up on that part of his nature. Don't give up on parts of God's nature because you didn't see it happen the way you thought it needed to happen. No, he's still the healer. He's still the healer. He's still the shepherd. Well, my life starts to fall apart. No, 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 he's still the shepherd. And your life starts to fall apart, most likely in a lot of ways, because you already weren't listening to him as shepherd. It's not a safe place, safe thing to do. So Jesus, I love that song. Oh, Jesus, you're the healer. You know what I mean? I need healing in my body. I know plenty of people who do. We're, we're praying for a breakthrough and more healing in Redding's body. And in this season, you know what we're going to do? We're going to yoke up with this part of God's nature. And we're going to hold on to it. And we're gonna, you're going to have to fight to hold on to some things. Because the devil's going to sit there and say, see, he's not a healer. And you're going to say, no, 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 let me show you in the Bible. Let me show you the testimonies. Let me get on YouTube. No, he's a healer. I, I've seen it. And he can do it again. Amen? How many of you know one day we will all be healed completely? So we will. He, he did pay for it, and we will receive it. Amen? I won't have scoliosis in heaven. I won't. You know why? Because he's the healer. And I can sit here all day and ask why and be mad and accuse the Lord, or I can hold on to that part of his nature and see what he's done, look at the testimonies, and say, no, God, you're the healer. And, man, how many of y'all watch The Chosen? Do you remember that part of the chosen? I forget which disciple it was, but he, it's the one who keep, he has the cane. I don't remember. It's the one who Jesus doesn't heal. Little James, and he's, and he's, and remember, and then he goes out and he tells James, and James gets to lay hands on the sick and they get healed. Right? And I, I remember uh, there's a guy named Tom Rudolo who goes around traveling with Todd White. And they do these uh, power and love conferences and they send people out and people get healed on the streets and literally miracles, signs and wonders. And I was at the conference and Tom has uh, some, some type of problem with his back or with his leg. I mean, he walks, you can tell that something is wrong. And I was sitting there on the front row and Tom, who's leading this thing about encouraging people to go be healed, needs a radical healing. <laughs> and I remember just sitting there just like in tears, like, man, this is, this is how the kingdom works. You know what I mean? And I thought, gosh. And, and you know what he would do? He would call testimonies up. And dude, no one was more excited for people to be healed in that room than him. That's how you know that you're carrying the heart of a son and not an orphan. An orphan will be a poor me, pitiful me, why not me? And, but when you get a hold of your sonship, you get a hold of who he is, that changes. You can say, man, I'm so happy for you. And brother, one day I'll get mine as well. On this side of heaven, I hope, but on the other side of heaven for sure. Amen? It's one of my favorite things was watching this handicapped guy walk up to a platform on the healing ministry. You know? I thought, man, Lord, let me have that faith. You know? And what does that look like for you? That looks like that you, you don't lose hope. 
You carry hope through seasons. So he's Jehovah Rapha, amen? He's Jehovah Rapha. Norman, wherever he was, he's Jehovah Rapha. I love it. Hey, you want to be encouraged? Go talk to Norman. Norman's going through chemotherapy, and you would never know. He's just, he's full of faith. And just, he knows the Lord is good, and he loves him. It's just, it's just sobering, you know? Um, so, another name of the Lord, this is really cool, it was Jehovah Shema. Somebody say Shema. It means the Lord is there. And I love this part. Actually, Shema is derived from the Hebrew word Sham, which can be translated as there. But Jehovah Shema was actually a symbolic name for the earthly Jerusalem, which was a place where God had his people. So the name indicates that God had not abandoned Jerusalem, leaving it in ruins, but that there will be, somebody say will be, a restoration. So when his name was Jehovah Shema, it was literally prophesying and declaring that God had not abandoned Jerusalem, God has not abandoned you, but not only that, but there will come a restoration. So we get in seasons of broken families. We get in seasons of, the, uh, of broken grandkids and stuff that's falling apart. It's something that needs to be restored. I'm here to tell you today that that's who he is. That's what he does. He restores things. And when you're in the middle of things, it's just like Carter getting up here today and saying, I saw some breakthrough this morning with my grandma. We put on worship music and she's crying in the car. Like, I don't know, a lot of y'all might not know this, but that's a really big deal. It's a really big deal. And God's saying, hey, this is part of my nature. This is part of who I am. And during those seasons, you can hold on to this part of me. Or you can still miss those seasons to learn, man, he's the God of the restoration. He is the God who restores. And you can just lose hope. He'll never restore my family. He'll never restore this. Let us not speak nonsense. Uh, man, and guys, and I'm, I'm going to pastor you for a moment. Can, can the church, if you're a born-again Christian, can you just be quiet on saying negative things about what God's not going to do? Come on, that's why we have declarations in here because we say things in faith of what he's going to do. Well, oh yeah, my brother, man, he'll, he'll, he'll never really get a hold of it. He'll never really get saved. Oh, my son, they'll never really get off drugs. Oh, I'll never be able to be close to that person. I'm not saying you have to be best friends. So that person will never come. Let us not ever lose hope for people who need restoration. This is who he is. This is who he is. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I was at a farmer's market the other day and I saw two gay guys obviously gay and honestly I was sitting there thinking just to be straight up like I was battling with like man God can you turn that around <laughs> they're gonna have to give up everything in their life everything they think is they know and I'm like no God you can do this this is who you are you restore you restore people to their original creation you know God's not trying to tell people what they can't be he's trying to say hey I created you this is how you're supposed to be. He's not saying you can't be this. He's saying, I didn't create you for that. He's not trying to dictate what's fun to you. He's saying, no, you weren't created for these things. And actually, these things are going to hurt you. So God is the God who restores, amen? Some of y'all might be in a season right now where you're like, man, I need something to be restored. This, this, this thing with my mom, with whoever, man, I, I believe God can restore it. I believe he can, whether it's your marriage or whatever, God can restore. Amen? So, another one of my favorite ones is the story of Hagar. Hagar, um, you know, was pregnant from Abraham, just really got herself in a big mess, right? Not herself, really, but and she's depressed. She's alone. She's, she's kicked out, basically. She's the one that um, Sarah, um, Abraham, they didn't have basically enough faith, and they were like, hey, you go, go sleep with my maidservant. And we'll have a kid through them. You notice how Abraham didn't argue with that. That's another sermon. Dummy. That's like when, you're, that's like when your wife is like, hey, I'm going to go hang out with the guys. And they say something like this. Fine. Do whatever you want. It's not what that means. <laughs> that's not what it means. I don't care. Do what you want. That's not when some people are like, oh, okay. She said, no, that's not what she means. That's not what she means at all. Abraham should have known. This was one of those, this is a very obvious one of those moments. 
Oh, I'll go sleep with my maidservant. That's not what she means. Bad idea. But Hagar finds herself deserted, alone, and pressed. And there might be people in this room, and there probably is people in this room who feel alone, deserted, depressed, abandoned. But she has this moment where God speaks to her, and she actually names him, and she calls him El Roy, which means the God who sees me. And you're like in this season where like you feel all alone and nobody knows, nobody even pays attention to you. And he's saying, I'm trying to get you to understand a part of my nature that I always know what you're doing. And I'm always there. And I am the God who sees. I'm the one who can see you when no one else knows what's going on, when no one maybe gives you the credit. I know what you're doing. Come on, how many of you know we're gonna get all the credit we need for all of our hidden stuff when we get to heaven? And all the stuff you wanted to receive the glory for on earth, you won't receive it in heaven. All right, moving on. Sobering. The Lord's name is Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is what? It's my peace. Did you notice where, the, where this is at in the Bible? This is when God tells the Gideon, hey, hey, bro, you're about to go to war. And this is where Gideon has this place. Actually, he builds an altar and he names that place Jehovah Shalom. And in the seasons of chaos and things falling apart, he's trying to show you this part of his nature. And you see this as the new covenant. Jesus is the prince of what? Peace. How many of you know that you have access to peace in all circumstances? There is never a season where you don't have access to peace. Don't let the devil lie to you. There's never a season. Never a season where he's like, hey, I don't have any more peace for you. I don't have that part of my nature for you. No, I have it all the time. And he's saying in seasons of that, he's trying to get you to pick up that part of his attribute that he is the God of peace. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. Everything's falling apart. My kids are this way. He's like, shh, peace. Let me be peace to you in this moment. You ever been to a Catholic service? Peace to you. Come on, somebody. All the old Catholics, y'all know what I'm talking about. Only five of you. Okay, praise God. So, he wants to be peace. In the middle of my kids freaking out, he can be God my peace. Right? And the car breaks down, he can be God my peace. When the business starts to have some issues, God, you're my peace. He's trying to show you that part of his nature in seasons. I remember one day I was on my way to work, and how many of you are like, y'all, y'all pray really silly prayers, like, hey, God, give me patience. <laughs> Lord, give me patience. Yeah, then you might have, who knows what's going to happen after that prayer, people. And I remember I was, at a, at a, I was late for something or work, and I was literally behind a funeral procession and stuck at a train. I'm like, my goodness, I don't know if it gets any, I don't have any more opportunity to ever be patient in my life right now. And and I'm in a rush. The Lord also spoke to me and said, Michael, if you're in the right for things in your life and in relationships, you always have access to peace. But if you're actually in the wrong and you're doing the wrong things, you're not going to have peace till you make it right. I was like, whoa. You ever have that when you know you've actually done something wrong, you've actually hurt somebody and you just can't shake it? You gotta go make it right, right? I preached a a message about God's called us to be peacemakers, not peacekeepers. A lot of our peace in our families is actually a false peace. It's not really peace. You can go back and listen to it. It was good. Thanks. Thanks, honey, so much. It's receiving that affirmation up here. Our love, love languages, our marriage stuff. Come on, bring it in. Um, the Lord is Jehovah Jireh. We all love that one, right? You know, I, the, the Lord is not Jehovah Jireh uh, unless he's first Adonai. He has to be Lord. He's Lord. He's master. And when we come under that umbrella, he becomes provider and all these other things. And we see him as, Lord, my provider. Most of the church, we love to get that part of his nature. That's like the easy part to get. That's the easy one to hold on to. Oh, man, he's going to provide. I'm telling you what, he's going to take care of me. Or some of you, you really struggle with that, especially a lot of men. 
We're like, man, I, I got to hold the fort down. I got to make things happen. And the Lord's like, no, 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 I'm, I'm Jehovah Jireh. You're going to have to yoke up with me in this season, and I'm going to provide for your family. You're going to learn how and business starts to go down or whatever, and then you're like, oh, gosh, what's going on? It's like, oh, it's an opportunity for you to learn a part of his nature. It's an opportunity for you to learn he's a provider. Me and Maddie are a little bit in that season right now. We're learning that he's a provider, and he's starting to take care of us, and we're stepping out in faith and making some faith decisions financially, and we're like, all right, Lord, you know how he's teaching me? This is not fun. My savings account's almost empty. (laughs) I'm dead serious. Bill Johnson says something so wise. Because people think money's bad. No, money's not bad. The, The love of money is bad. If your pastor loves money, there's the issue. <laughs> the Lord, Bill Johnson says this. He says, well, people say, well, how much money is too much money for someone to have? And Bill Johnson says something really wise. He says, whatever replaces trust. And I'm like, son of a gun. You know how you know how much is too much probably? You'll know. Because when you have that amount of money, you're good, man. Oh, man, the Lord's faithful. I tell you what, I just got the income taxes. God, he's on the throne. He's Jehovah Jireh. I seen I got the 10 racks in the bank. We just sold the property. Man, he's Jehovah Jireh. Then everything starts to get down and get really tight. And then you're like, oh, my goodness, is he, what's going to happen? And you start to see if you truly know that part of his nature. And I'll be real with you. I'm learning hard, the hard way. I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm learning the lesson. I need, please, don't get me down to zero. I get it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm picking it up, God. I'm trying to pass this test in this season. I'm, I'm in faith. I don't, I don't want to know. I don't want to have zero in the account just so I can trust you, God. I trust you. <laughs> I'm not being too real with y'all this morning. But that's the reality. It's like when I've had ten, eleven, twelve thousand dollars in my bank, uh, you know, that we all thought we'd never pay back when we got all those free money a few years ago, and look at where we're at now. Look at here. No such thing as free money, ladies and gentlemen. No such thing. But here we were. We had all kinds of money. We got all these kids. It was easy. We're, we're sowing more money. We're giving more money. We gave one of our checks away for five grand. But I'm just going to tell you right now, that was easy. That was easy. You know why? Because we, we had a ton. But when it gets down real low and God says, hey, go give that 20%. Hey, go give that. Then you'll start to learn where your heart, where, where you're really at. Amen. And we love that. Gyra. It'll be, listen, I've been singing it. <laughs> I'm trying to renew my mind. I believe you, Lord. And think about it. What did Paul say? I know what it's like to have a lot. I know what it's like to have a little, but I've learned in all things. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know what he didn't say? That I always had a lot. No, he's saying uh, sometimes I had nothing, but I learned in those moments to rely on him. And you can't learn sometimes how to rely on God as provider when you're sitting on a whole bunch of money sometimes. Yeah. And this is, listen, you hear, don't hear what I'm not saying. It's different for everybody. You know, I might have $10,000 in savings, and that's too much for me because I'm like, oh, Lord. I'm not saying I can't have it. I'm just, God's trying to teach me some things. He's not saying you'll never have that money in your savings again. I hope that's not what's happening. <laughs> But it's like, Lord, think about this. I don't want anyone else. I don't want anything else. Do we know what we're saying? (laughs) Do we know what we're saying? He's like, all right, show me. Because the reality is we're like, oh, yeah, we do want a whole bunch of other things. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I do want a whole lot of other stuff. Oh. Oh, I really do like the comforts of life, Lord. Hmm. And that song can teach you how to rewire yourself, you know? Oh, I've heard from 
pastors in the past, and Bill Johnson says this, he said, I've always learned to have a loose hand on things because nothing I own belongs to, to me. So no matter how much I have or whatever I've got in my life, I've learned to have an open hand. And I'm like, okay. You know? And so we're in this season of life, and i tell you a bunch of other seasons, man, me and, me and Maddie, we've learned, and we're still learning. I mean, God is taking care of us, and he always will. It's who he, it's who, it's not just what he does, it's who he is. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is this person. And in certain seasons of your life, maybe you still haven't learned that. I'm telling you, you're going to go through more seasons where you got to learn it. And he's trying to show you that you can trust him. Amen? Oh, my Lord, it's 1215. Glory to God. Y'all going to be late for the buffet. I'm just kidding. You're going to be late for all the Mexican food. We should just open a Mexican restaurant here on the property. <laughs> Listen, I don't like how that got the biggest praise break. Oh, ain't nothing I said this whole time. Anybody has shouted like that. But, man, tacos on the property? Glory. Glory to God. Terrible. <laughs> it's still written on my board in my office where Carter wrote on my board like five, six years ago. He said, if it's legal, pay yourself more money so we can have more tacos. <laughs> I'm like, well, that's not legal, and that's definitely not how we do things, but that was a good suggestion, son. Hmm. Man, come on. I, I just have two more. If you stay with me for five more minutes, we'll be done, okay? I know everybody's hungry. That's cool. We can fast. Come on, somebody. We got plenty of water. You know, we got water for days in here. Um. One of my favorites is uh, one of the names for God that we love for him. It's just like the God that restores, that he, he's the God of the breakthrough. First Chronicles 14, 11. This is what's kind of crazy. I was reading this a long time ago, and, and this is one of the only times you hear somebody kind of refer to God using this word. You see that fifth word, some of you Bible people? That's not a good word, is it? <laughs> Anybody know that word? Baal, Baal. That's usually for not good a foreign god, pagan gods. But you know what that word actually just means? Lord. Right? So he's saying, hey, you're, you're Baal Perezim, and David struck them down there, and David said, God has broken through my enemies, my by hand, like a bursting flood. Somebody say a bursting flood. Therefore, the name of that place, you see that? The name of that place is Baal Perezim. You know what it means? The Lord of the breakthrough. The Lord breaks through like water. And that's what I believe the Lord is wanting to do. He's wanting like to, at certain seasons or whatever, he's like, you know, you're going you're gonna to name this season. And it's going to be amazing. You're going to have a time where it's like, no, I'm the God of the breakthrough. In that part of my life in 2020, I learned that he was Jehovah Jireh. In that part of my life, when I finally seen God step in, I learned he was Baal Perazim. I learned this part of this nature of him through certain seasons. Does this make sense? And man, Carter stepped into that place where he learned that part of God on the car on the way here. Breakthrough. You know what I love about when it talks about that? It's almost as if a dam that breaks. That's what God wants to do. He loves suddenlies. Where he just breaks in and, and nothing can stop him. Amen? And how many of you are believing for some breakthrough in your life or with people in your life and your families? Can we get a hold of that part of his nature this morning? Amen? Amen. I got a few more. Let's just stand. Man, isn't the Lord good? He's so good. So, so good. Thank you, Jesus. Hmm. So guys, if we were honest, most of us who've gotten born again, we know God as Savior, right? Like we understand that part of his nature. Um, and also the New Testament, there's so many more. There's, Jesus says he's the bridegroom. For some of you who are single and you're going through singleness right now, the Lord is trying to get you to understand that he is your bridegroom. That he is the, that you're, 
your, your intimate one for, for this area of your life. I remember when I first got saved, I, I, wanted, to get, I wanted to know God. I wanted him to be first because I knew if I found a girlfriend that would take over. Let's just be real because I've always been a lover, <laughs> not a fighter. Oh, never mind. I was going to say something real cheesy, but I'm going to move on. You can laugh a little bit. It's okay. I know we're trying to get real serious. But there's seasons where God's trying to teach you that, hey, he's the bridegroom. You don't need anybody else right now. Learn how to be just with me. Learn how to be intimate with me. I want to be that for you right now. Because he always wants to be that for us. But you can learn that in a special way when you're single. Amen? Um, And maybe you're here today and you're like, hey, I don't even know Jesus. I want to just make an opportunity. You're like, I don't know Christ I don't know. Uh, I don't know which way my life is going. I, I'm struggling with believing the truth. What even is true? I don't, is this whole Jesus thing real? I don't know what to do with my life. The Lord is trying to get you to see him this morning as the way, the truth, and the life. And he wants you to say, hey, would you get this part of me? I'm the way. I'm the truth you're looking for. I'm the life that you want. Would you know me? Would you trust me today? as Savior, as Lord of your life, as forgiver of your sins, as King of kings and Lord of lords. At the Father's house, let me make this very clear, he's not just a father, he's a king. And he's Lord, and he deserves to be treated like a king. Amen? I don't want us to get just so, I I, I must be honest, I told Matt yesterday, I said, I don't want to make it, I don't want us to make this, uh, this whole healing of our heart thing and make it so much about us being the prize and Jesus not truly being the prize. He's the prize. <laughs> He's the prize that I get. <laughs> Amen? He's the prize. So if you're here today, can our prayer team come before we, before we leave? And every eye's closed. I just want everybody just to spend a moment with Jesus. Just, man, what, and just ask the Holy Spirit, you know, what, are, what part of you Are you trying to get me to learn in this season of life? What part of your nature as shepherd, as provider, as healer, as peace, as Lord? Everybody just take a moment. God, just speak to me. I pray, Holy Spirit, you speak to your people that they would get exactly, they would know today, oh, you're trying to get me to learn this part of you this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, you want me to know you as a father. You want me to know you as Lord, as King. I've been doing my own thing. I've been rebellious, whatever. I need to know you as master today. The Bible says if you want to get saved, it says you will confess him as Lord and Savior. He's got to be in charge. He's got to be supreme. If you're here this morning and you say, listen, I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to repent of my sin. I need to give everything to him. I, need, I believe he died on the cross for me. I believe he died for my sins. I believe he rose from the grave. If that is you right now, boldly, I just want you to lift your hand up right where you are. I need to be saved. Anybody at all, I just want to give an opportunity. I need to be saved. I need to be born again. I need to be saved. Anybody. Just want to take a moment. And if you feel God's token on your heart and you're like, man, I'm, I'm still nervous, please don't go. Come to the altar. We'll pray for you. We'd love, today is the day of salvation. We'd love to see you step into the family of God this morning. Awesome. Still time to come. If you need prayer for anything, if you need healing in your body, if you just need somebody to partner with you about a certain season of life you're in, our prayer team is here to encourage you, to bless you, to, to speak into that. And can we just lift our hands all over this place? Father, I just thank you who you are. That you are a lot of things. And we get the opportunity to to tell you that, yes, Lord, you are the healer. You are mighty to save. You are the king of kings. You are the Lord of lords. And let us tell the world who you are. We honor you, Jesus. We bless you. Bless every family in this room, every child, every grandparent, every business, every car ride. Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, amen. Can we put our hands together for Jesus this morning? Awesome. Do me a favor, but if you need prayer before you go, please come. The altars are open. 
be friendly on your way out as well. Bless some people, hug some necks, invite somebody to lunch. Have an awesome, awesome day. Let's go.